Hey, this is Jordan. We'll be opening up the Chill Factory in just a moment. After years of teaching people how to reduce their stress and anxiety, I've learned one big thing. Sometimes we just need a few reliable techniques to help us reduce our stress fast. And this is exactly why I created Quick Calm, a self-paced video workshop where I teach 10 of these techniques. So stay tuned to the end of the episode because I'll be giving a special discount code for this Quick Calm video workshop so that you and 99 other listeners can take the workshop for less. There was this woman once who was compared to a refrigerator. So I don't know anyone out there who probably says, oh yeah, I wish someone would pick refrigerator when they're trying to describe me. But I'll tell you, we don't care about the what, we care about the why. And the why was you're a refrigerator because you've had the same job for 10 years and you keep every single day fresh. Hi, this is Jordan Friedman. Welcome to The Chill Factory. One of the most common recommendations you hear from successful leaders and motivational speakers and coaches and influencers is be yourself, be authentic. But what does it mean to be yourself? And what does it mean to be yourself at work or in your career? And more specifically, how does being yourself lead to less stress and greater satisfaction? William Aruda is one of those leaders and influencers and has been speaking about personal branding longer than anyone else on earth. He founded Reach Personal Branding 20 years ago, and he speaks on the topic of digital and personal branding to audiences all over the world, online and in person. He's a senior Forbes contributor, and William is the author of best-selling books on personal branding, including Career Distinction, Ditch Dare Do, and Digital You. Hi, William. Thanks for coming by The Chill Factory. I'm excited to be here. William, What does being yourself mean in a professional context? Being yourself is giving yourself permission to not fit in, to not conform, to take the things that make you unique and interesting and compelling and valuable and making them visible to the people around you. And how does that make one's work life easier, less stressful? Yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing is that we crave a recognition of our individuality, yet we've been taught from a very young age to conform. And so there's a lot of pressure in the workplace to conform, right? This is how we do things here kind of thing. And and we start to use corporate speak and we start to just fit in with the flow. And what happens is we're essentially playing a role and that is exhausting right? Always questioning yourself. Am I fitting in? Am I part of the, the, the community? Rather than thinking about, you know, what unique value can I contribute that's not available from anyone else, right? That is actually more valuable to the organization and it's certainly more freeing and less stressful for you. But it's a harder question to ask ourselves because we really are in this conformist mindset. I don't mean to sound like a negative Ned here, But what if you get pushback because you're being yourself in some way? I I know you've said before, it always sticks with me, that personal brands, one's brand, if it's successful, repels as many as it attracts. Yeah. 
Well, that is true. If you're trying to please all the people all the time, um, you probably, you're not going to excite many, but you're certainly not going to bum out any either, but you'll just be kind of adequate and you'll be wasting a lot of energy trying to keep everyone else happy. So I think we do have to be comfortable with the fact that not everyone's going to love us. I'll tell you something really interesting. I, I, I learned about this, you know, Oprah, I, I love Oprah. It's no secret to anyone who knows me that I absolutely love Oprah. And um, I thought everyone in the world loved Oprah, right? Because who wouldn't love Oprah? She's all about empathy and she's fun and she's engaging and she's accomplished so many amazing things from really challenging beginnings. You think everyone loves Oprah. And then I Googled, I hate Oprah. And oh my gosh, I realized that there are lots of Oprah haters out there. And, and it, it's a reminder of that thing that I say all the time, that strong brands often repel as many people as they attract. But if there's an organization that is so conformist that being yourself is just absolutely not tolerated and it just turns off the majority of people, I think you need to be rethinking where you work. What are some examples, maybe it's people who you've worked with or people in the world, who have developed their brands, who are being them themselves successfully well you know i'll tell you the story about this woman named brandy um she's great for branding a personal branding example uh with the name of brandy and um she worked for ibm which if you know anything about ibm and this is years ago and i actually knew her personally uh it, it's really kind of a it is a, a somewhat conformist organization the the blue suit the red tie the chanel suit kind of thing and that's just part of the culture there um, yet Brandy was as different from that as you could imagine. She wore the craziest clothes and her hair in a really funny way. Uh, she had toys in her conference room on the table so that if people came in while she was on the phone, they could play with the toys. And she would start meetings off with jokes. And she just literally, her, her whole brand, everything about her was about fun. And she believed if it wasn't fun, you shouldn't do it and that you could make everything at work fun. And that was kind of her, her motto, but very different from everyone else. And there were people at IBM who'd be like, oh, that Brandy, she's not serious at all. And, and literally she had her detractors. But I will tell you that her boss, the people who worked for her and the people she worked with to make, make things happen in the organization, they had incredible respect for her. And if there was an opening on her team, there would be a line outside the door of people who wanted to work for her. So, so she had to put up with the fact that, you know what, she walked into IBM and she didn't look like everyone else and she didn't act like everyone else. And there were some people who didn't like it, yet she knew, right? She built the strength to say, I know that I'm gonna be more successful with my attitude, my approach and, and the way I like to lead. And she got so much other positive feedback from people who really did appreciate and respect that. Okay, so if someone wants to start working on their personal brand, they want to bring more of themselves into their work life, how do they start? What should they think about? Is it is it saying, okay, well, I like toys. I'm going to do what Brandy did. Or, or yeah, Oprah's popular. She's great. I'm going to start walking into meeting saying hello <laughs> okay what 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 should we do yeah well so so the thing is it's not to copy right and certainly you know oprah's got her thing and it works for oprah 
and everyone else has their thing and they may not know what it is. So the, the first step in the personal branding process is all about self-reflection. It's really about thinking about who are you, uh, what makes you great and why should people care, right? So you focus on things like your values uh, because when you can align your values with what you do and how you do it, uh, you're energized and you're motivated. It's about your superpowers. What do you do better than anyone else and how do you give yourself permission to bring those superpowers to every single task that you do at work every day? Uh, it's about your differentiators, the thing that things that make you stand out, whether or not they're relevant to the job that you have, right? You might work in the English language all day, but you speak five languages. That's interesting. That's differentiating, bringing that to work, right? So it, it's a lot of self-reflection to figure out who you are, what's important to you, um, how do you like to do what you do, and then to rethink, you know, your every day and ask yourself, how do I integrate more of me into all of this? And what you find at the end of that is you, you actually uh, are, are freed up uh, to, to really focus on things and you're, and you, things come out better because you're integrating your, your, you know, your secret sauce and your superpowers into them. And, and all of a sudden, you know, your perspective at work changes a little bit. And uh, that little bit is enough uh, to really have an impact on, on, you know, how you feel every day. So the new workplace for many of us is Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Skype. And it looks like that's here to stay maybe forever, at least to some degree. How can you build your brand in those situations. I know you've done a lot of writing for Forbes on this and have done webinars and programs and you get really excited about this topic because it, it's a new reality for a lot of us. Yeah, we all know the phrase out of sight, out of mind. So how do you demonstrate the value that you're delivering? How do you deliver your personal brand every day when you're doing it to a two-dimensional screen rather than in meeting rooms and in the hallways and talking to people and all the, uh, the human interaction that happens when you are in co-located in one space? And the, the answer is, um, number one, you need to be more deliberate because it's, it's harder for people to experience things. When people are looking at their screen, that screen is a scrim that dilutes the potency of what you deliver. It dilutes the emotion, it dilutes the energy, uh, it dilutes the excitement. So you need to be deliberate and, and really overt in delivering your brand every day. That's, that's one thing. Uh, the second thing you need to do is you need to be doubly human uh, because again, we don't get those human clues that we do when we're physically in the same space. So you need to spend more time on building relationships, on asking people how they are, on acknowledging people for the value that they contribute, uh, so that so that you are demonstrating that you you know you're not one of these technology tools that we're using to do work. You you are a human being who is just taking advantage of the tools that we currently have available. So the humanity is key. And then communication is absolutely essential. And, and when possible, if you're looking to stand out from other people and really, you know, make your mark on things and demonstrate your differentiation, uh, you want to use the richest media possible. So uh, sure, we're all doing Zoom and, and Teams and Google Meet and all of that stuff. 
um, Microsoft Meet and Google Teams, whatever, whatever they are. Uh, but what you need to do is think about all the other communications that you have. And, and typically, if we're not online in a meeting, we're using email or even texting or instant messaging. And I think we need to rethink those communications tools because they're really poor communications tools. They, all we have is words with those tools and words only account for 7% of a communication. So you want to use the richest media possible so that you, you can be as close to being there as possible. So I say use video as much as you can. Use phone much more than you have been because at least you have more of a communication so that you are able to engage with people on a deeper level than you can by just you know sending them an email and waiting for their response. So um, it really does take a, 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 a rethinking of your brand. And then one, one last thing I will say is if, if you want people to know about who you are and what's important to you, you do have an opportunity if you're using Skype and Zoom and all these other uh, platforms for online meetings. And that is what sits behind you. And every day when people are engaging with you, they're also seeing what's in your background. And I think branding your background, making it you know, visible, what you care about, what you're passionate about, uh, what interests you. It's a great way to reinforce your brand and maybe stand out from everyone else. You mean like a bookcase? <laughs> but not a bookcase. So he here's the thing. I have to tell you, I think the entire world got some really bad email that said, oh, when, whenever you're appearing online, whether it's on TV or in a, in a meeting at work, uh, make sure there's a bookcase behind you because it's going to show that you're erudite. And I will tell you, we, we know that everyone can read. It has become so trite and so common and so, frankly, annoying to have a bookshelf behind you. So be a little bit original. That's kind of conformist, right? All we see is everyone's got a bookcase behind them. Um, and by the way, people who've written books, they have a bookcase behind them. It's only filled with the book that they've written, right? Which is also just a little bit salesy and disingenuous. So um, yeah, be more original. Be, be really thoughtful about what you want to have behind you because it is saying something about you. Maybe librarians could still have bookcases behind <laughs> there all right jordan you, you know what you're always find the one exception and you're absolutely right last question you have an amazing assessment for helping people unearth their personal brands i've taken it myself will you tell us more about it and how to get it yeah so uh well thank you for for um talking about it it's called 360 reach and even though your brand is all based in authenticity, it's really held in the hearts and minds of those who know you. So, uh, you know, you might think you're the most strategic person in the world, but if we ask 10 people who know you what words they'd use to describe you and they don't use the word strategic, you don't own the brand attribute of strategic. And there was no tool that could help you do it. And so I created one. It's called 360 Reach. And what it allows you to do is go out and get feedback from the people you're looking to impact and influence. And they provide that anonymously to you. Our system consolidates it and parses it and analyzes it and presents it to you in what we call a reputation report. And that reputation report essentially says, this is your brand according to others. Um, there's a table in there 
that is called self versus others. And you get to look at how you see you versus how others see you. And you can see where those common connections are. And you can also see where there are some disconnects. And, and that's amazingly powerful data that can help you, you know, ask yourself some questions like why might that be and help you change behaviors maybe and tweak them a little bit so that you can be living um, your full authentic brand every day. And it's really fun. There are really fun questions like if you were a kitchen appliance, which kitchen appliance would you be? Yeah. Yeah. So they're called projective techniques and they're used in branding research all the time. And the reason we use it is because it's often easier for someone to associate you with something that already has attributes rather than identifying attributes from a list. And there was this woman once who was compared to a refrigerator. So I don't know anyone out there who probably says, oh, yeah, I wish someone would pick refrigerator when they're trying to describe me. But I'll tell you, we don't care about the what, we care about the why. And the why was you're a refrigerator because you've had the same job for 10 years and you keep every single day fresh. That is some powerful brand information that's being provided. So the projective exercises, they, they seem frivolous, they're really fun, and often they provide the most valuable feedback that you can get. There's a free version of 360 reach, correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a, a free version you can send to an unlimited number of people. And then if you want, you can upgrade and get the reputation report, but you don't have to do that. You can do it for zilch. And if you send this out to 25 people, they remain anonymous. When you receive the feedback, it's all collected as a unit. It is not attached to anyone's name. Exactly, yeah. So you will not know who thought you were a garbage disposal or a lawnmower. <laughs> exactly. And, and, um, and by the way, I'm sure that there are incredibly positive things that you could say about lawnmowers and garbage disposals. And it's, again, it's the why that we care about. William Aruda, thank you so much for coming by the Chill Factory. I, I love when we can combine work stuff with feeling better about doing that because so many of us do it all the time more than we should so it's great to be able to enjoy it more and of course have it be less stressful yeah well um uh, thank you this has been a lot of fun and i have to say i don't know if, i'm sure all of your guests tell you this but the chill factory is probably the world's coolest name uh and and it instantly inspires a sense of zen so uh so thanks for inviting me Those questions that I was talking with William about, including if you were a kitchen or household appliance, what would you be and why? I use those during workshops and webinars because they're great icebreakers. And they're also a great way to build self-awareness because they get you to uh, think about yourself in a different way. And they're also excellent for learning about others. So I went back into my file of these questions and I'm going to share with you a bunch that I really like. What three words would others use to describe you? If you become a superhero, what will your special power be and why? Here's one of my favorites. What would you like to stop doing? What was the last kind thing someone did for you? 
and you did for someone else? What energizes you? What do you love that costs less than one dollar? What rule or law do you wish you could break? What movie comes closest to portraying your life? Now you have a bunch of questions to learn more about yourself and about others. You could use them in your work. You could ask them when you're on a first date to learn about the person you're with. You could use them as dinner conversation with friends and family. And here's an idea. You could answer one of them to inspire all of us. How about my favorite one? What would you like to stop doing? Just go to thechillfactory.net and you'll see a blue tab on the right side of every screen. That's where you can leave a voice memo to let us know what you'd like to stop doing. And if feeling calmer and less anxious and sleeping better are things you'd like to start doing, then you'll definitely want to check out my quick, calm, self-paced video workshop because I teach 10 simple, fast-acting stress and anxiety reduction techniques that you can start using right away. And because you're listening today, you and 99 others can get Quick Calm for less. Just go to quickcalm.net and you can learn about the workshop there and sign up. Make sure to use the discount code AUTHENTIC to get 25% off. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. The Chill Factory is produced by The Stress Coach, and you can find all sorts of additional resources at thechillfactory.net, including our show notes, which have links to resources mentioned during this episode. You can also listen to all episodes of The Chill Factory there and leave us a voice comment or question. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of all sites. Pages. And be sure to follow or subscribe to The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And as Oscar Wilde said, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. <laughs>